Hello everybody and welcome to episode 27 of Opposites React. This is Tyler of course and I'm here with Sarah tonight. Hi. <laughs> Today is Wednesday, July 29th. Coming up on, uh, well I mean for us, is it is it a holiday down in the States too next week or is it just for us? We have a civic holiday on Monday so we're coming up to a long weekend here. I don't know. I never thought about it. I don't think about these things. Yeah, anyway, well, we have a long weekend coming up up here in Canada, so people are looking forward to that. The holidays won't <clears> be like holidays anymore. No, I know. It's, <laughs> so. it's true. Yeah. Well, no one really goes anywhere unless you're going to a cottage or something. But <clears throat> So uh, today we're going to talk about, well, besides going through our usual updates on what we've been doing and watching, uh, I have an interesting topic this week that uh, I could probably spend a lot of time on, but we do have a bit of a time limit tonight, so I'm going to try and keep it as concise as I can. <clears throat> Why don't we just start off with... Um, what we've been up to so i don't want to really start on a negative note well for negative for you i know but we might as well talk about what we just watched the well, other night geez, you so started off so good i know well so yeah so we watched the third movie in our studio ghibli saga so far our our, our ongoing what, what did we say there was 20 of them on netflix i think they put up 20 movies or so of them on i believe you netflix so we watched so we started with what it's nausicaa yep Valley of the Wind, is that what it was called? Of the Valley of the Wind. Okay, and then uh, Castle in the Sky. Mm-hmm. And the third one, which uh, one of the, I think I had seen it a long time ago, I don't remember much about it, um, but it's, I think it's one of the most beloved Studio Ghibli's that I'd heard about was My Neighbor Totoro. Totoro. You, yes. Yeah. So it's uh, it's one of the shorter Ghibli films, if not the shortest. I think it only runs at about 88 minutes. It felt short. Yeah. Well, again, because after we watched it, I felt like, yeah, I mean, they didn't really need to stretch it out. They could have, but they didn't need to pad out two hours. The story that was there was pretty concise. and Because there was no story. There was a story. There was it's no a, story. Okay, this is definitely, compared to the other two movies we watched before, this is definitely more kid-centric. Definitely geared towards children, right? It's sure. Yeah, well, yeah, because the plot is basic. It's the, it, it, There's not a lot of dialogue in the beginning. It's just the kids, the two little girls running around, discovering things, and eventually they run into Totoro. And uh, he shows up a few times during the film. He's not the main focus, really. Um, His name is in the title. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, yeah, he's on the box. Right? I mean, he's, okay, well, you and I read about this the other night as we were watching the movie. We read up on the film bit. And, like, the movie is beloved, obviously, pretty much around the world. But it was huge in Japan, like a phenomenon, mm-hmm. especially, like, for merchandise sales. And Totoro appeared in, like, so many other things after this came out. So, yes. yeah, I mean, it had a still has a long impact. I just don't understand it. I don't think this is have they right? it's definitely not regarded as one of you no know, Ghibli's best story films or even like from an animation standpoint it was good but it wasn't anything amazing. What do you think the story was? It was about the little girls dealing with like their they felt you know they felt lost they're dealing with the grief of their they don't know what's going to happen with their mother their mother's in the hospital they're living with their dad out in the countryside um you know you have what I don't know what the ages of the girls are one's like preteen and the other one's like 4 or 5 years old I'm guessing. She said she was 4. Did she say 4? Okay. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It was a cute film. Like, it's kind of film like I feel like, like obviously, like if we wanted our son to watch the other two Ghibli films, he would have lost interest twenty minutes in because they're very. I don't think anything holds you in this movie though either. Well, it's more geared towards kids. Like I get that. I love movies that are geared towards yeah. kids. Like a movie, best movie. Yeah, well, you the... can't compare. You know, Japanese storytelling and anime is different. I, but than... I loved Nausicaa and I think Castle in the Sky was passable. Mm-hmm. It just has been on a decline for me. I just I did not find anything engaging about this movie. I thought there was sometimes the music was really good. Uh, I think the animation was great. There's nothing wrong with the animation, you no. know. Uh, I thought the few scenes with Totoro were pretty funny. This the way he grins and laughs the, and roars. The best or part whatever. was the cat bus by far. Yeah, the cat bus. Yeah, 
No, like I said, I, I agree. It's a serviceable film. I mean, I, I didn't hate watching it. Obviously, I, it's not going to be one. I'm, like, I'm not in any hurry to rewatch it. You know, I but really yeah, I mean, it was, it was good. I, I still give it a, a pass, like a thumbs up. I'm not going to say it's a terrible film. Don't watch it. But it's not, it's, yeah, it didn't shut off halfway through, so it works. <laughs> Jeez, you're harsh. <laughs> I didn't find anything I know to like about I know. it. We already went over except this. for the cute cat bus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's all about Alice in Wonderland, and he doesn't say it. In, Miyazaki says no, so he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, other than that, uh, yeah, I haven't really watched anything else recently. Uh, just Except been, Blue Jays. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> watching some real-life baseball, which is nice again. Uh, so yeah, I mean, in terms of what else, I mean, I, you know, I'm playing the usual still, you know, uh, MLB The Show 20, Apex Legends, Assassin's Creed. You uh, have not played Assassin's Creed. I have played Assassin's Creed. I played it two nights ago. Are you, have you beat it? No, I haven't beaten it yet. Are you going to beat it? Do I will. I will beat it. I never said I had to beat it by the end of July. Did? I don't know why yes, my goal did. was to, if I fail the goal. I still, I still accomplished other three goals. I beat Last of Us Remastered and the DLC. I accomplished my goals already for MLB and Apex, the the, the benchmarks I set for myself. Mm-hmm. I will. I'm going to finish. Okay, fine. My new goals for August. Okay, we're going to go over the list next week. But right now, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to finish Assassin's Creed 2 and Last of Us 2 next month. We need to make a... F- fail goal consequence though fine do that next month <laughs> this one let's try i'll take three out of five was a good success this month i'll take that as a pass compared to considering i hadn't beaten a game probably since february you haven't beaten year. anything new though i'll play last of us two now that's mm. not beaten you said beaten what are you playing animal crossing yeah yeah you gonna can you beat that is there a beat goal in animal crossing yeah, i got credits yeah, I got credits too, like two months ago. <laughs> I, I get credits every Saturday night. What about the Animal Crossing update's not out yet, right? Is it July thirtieth? No. So tomorrow then. This is when is the it thirtieth or thirty first? That was the thirtieth. Eh, Fireworks and Dream Project. Islands and Oh yeah. I forgot I wasn't excited about it. Did Fireworks. You, did Fireworks you get didn't you get a new villager recently? Uh I get Keaton tomorrow. Oh, oh I have Keaton. Yeah, Do you? I already have Keaton. Yeah. I like Keaton. Yeah, he's good. Uh, I, I, think, I think I think he sings a lot in my town. Oh, does he? Or, yeah. <laughs> I had a weird campsite vill- visitor. I got Sly too recently. Sly is, is the alligator. Okay, that's cool. Um, yeah. But it was the I got one that didn't want to move in at all. Like he didn't ask me to move in at my campsite. He's okay. just like, here I'm here to play just games. Just here to chill. Yeah. But it was like a robot ostrich. I don't remember nice. his name, but he was like a robot. That's awesome. I know, and I really wanted him to move in, and I kept talking to him. <laughs> I sat there forever, and he repeated his dialogue five times. I'm like, oh, you just really don't want to move in. Huh. But I asked Keaton once, and he's like, okay, I'm coming. Kicking out Gigi. Oh, no. Which one's Gigi? She was like a really prissy frog. <laughs> that doesn't sound like your type of... No, she, was, she just moved in. I'm like, okay, bye. <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like I said, we have a little bit of time limit tonight on the podcast. So I'm going to get into the topic right now because I feel like I could easily spend uh, more than half an hour on this. But uh, we do have restrictions, so we're going to just dive into it. Uh, the topic this week, I think I had already alluded or hinted at it last week, but the topic for this week is going to be uh, the use of music in film. And what I mean that by that specifically is, you know, times that, well, music is such a broad genre. Like, in my opinion, music is one of the biggest factors in the, uh, that's what we're looking for here, not appeal, but like the, uh, like the presentation of a film. Music makes all the difference. You could easily make or break a film with great music. Uh, sometimes. It hits on an emotional level is what it does. Well, for sure. It's, it's you know, it is, it's, it's, and to, steal this word from somebody else because i do like the word i'm not i didn't come up with this on my own like when i was i was gonna make notes today for this 
I was going to watch, I was going to like read some articles online, watch a bunch of YouTube things. I'm like, I don't want to steal other people's ideas or have these ideas in the back of my head. I want to form my own thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I'm going to give credit to, and you know, it's the one of the YouTube guys I watch a lot is Jeremy, mm-hmm. Jeremy Johns. He's a great YouTube guy. And he did a video a couple, was it last week? I cannot remember what movie he reviewed, but he specifically mentioned how the music was so strong in the film. And the word I like that he uses that music is the perfect manipulator of okay. your emotions. And yeah. I like that word because it's very true. A good director knows how to use music to manipulate a scene. Like you're not going to use metal music for somebody dying. Right. There's, I mean, there's a proper... I mean, there are some movies that use unintentional music for, like, music that doesn't fit a scene unintentionally for, sure. for a reason to yeah. be, you know... Comical, usually. Right. But, you know, for sure. Like, I mean, there's there's movies that decide to use little or no score, and that has a very specific impact. Like, for a perfect example, that is something like No Country for I Old Men. Yeah. That. that was a movie that perfectly... Like, if you... I, I think the movie has a very... It technically does have, like, a soundtrack, but I think it's yeah. probably only a few songs on it. It has a very minimal score. It's something, like, overbearing. It's not like a Hans Zimmer score or Mad anything, Max right? Mad Max like that, too? No, Mad Max definitely has a score, but it's almost the same score. Well, that's not true. There is... I think it was Junkie XL. I think they did that one. Uh, and there is a couple of strong uh, moments in that film that where the music does stand out a lot. Like, I remember specifically that scene in the beginning where they go through, like, that sandstorm. Mm. The music's really good in that scene. Uh, but other than that, and then the music in the chase scene at the end, um, but the, yeah, the score in that is not too, not too diverse. There's a few songs in Mad Max that stand out to me, but it's, I, I like films that, um, and this is something that, but right off the bat, let's just say this, you know, for, you know, right off the top of the head, off the top that one of, one of my favorite, if not my favorite composer is Hans Zimmer. The man's, yes. the man's library, like going back to the nineties or even the eighties is ridiculous. The amount of films and great films that he's done. Um, they turn great because but also too is he's very he's very call of duty but i think he's very diverse like he does have a lot of similar sounding when when you do something as long as he has you're always gonna have similar sounding uh tropes but yeah his his work is just like all over the place in in a good way you know what i mean like he does so many things that uh and i like when he tries different things like obviously like he did the soundtrack or most of the soundtrack for the the dark knight trilogy Mm -hmm. but i like how when he, he worked with nolan again to do dunkirk Yes. The uh, that uh, World War Two movie, and uh, World War One or World War Two? It was World War Two. Yeah, World War Two. Oh my gosh, I doubt myself. No, it's definitely World War Two. What am I thinking? World War Two movie, Dunkirk. Um, so he, he's he's very specifically in that. And it's I remember the first time I saw Dunkirk at theaters, and I thought to myself, the soundtrack was definitely there, but it wasn't like what I expected out of Zimmer. And then I, I watched the movie again, like on Netflix a year after, and I thought, okay, this is pretty cool. And I, was, I read up on what he did, and essentially what he does in Dunkirk is. He uses like the ticking of a clock, but he either speeds up or slows down the ticking to create a soundtrack. So in a movie where it's like really tense and frantic, so like a metronome, like when people are like when, when there's there's a scene where the ship is going over and people are drowning, and it's 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 like ticking really fast, and it always it definitely reminds you of like the song like the hedgehog drowning sound, oh, like when it goes faster, 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 that kind of thing. But then there'll be other scenes in the movie like where the people are flying, like like a dogfight, and it's really like the ticking is slow. You know, I, mean, I don't know. It's hard to explain until you watch the film, but when you pick it up, when you watch it a second time, you have it in the back of your head how mm-hmm. he's done the soundtrack. It's actually really cool. I think it's a cool technique that most composers wouldn't go for, but no one obviously gave Zimmer the you know the freedom to say, yeah, you go ahead and create something. I know you'll be good because you're yeah. always good. Okay. Every time I drive with my sister, we like to play Guess That Soundtrack and Guess mm-hmm. the Song from Soundtrack. Most of the time, it's Zimmer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> another thing I like too is I like now I don't like directors that overuse licensed music in films. Oh my gosh! Are I'm we not about Joker. I think that's Suicide Squad. That well, that's oh. overuse. Yes, but Joker's Joker is another one. Joker didn't really overuse. Did they it? used it wrong. You're talking about the stairs yes, dancing scene. Yes, I okay. am. But no, well, yeah, Suicide Squad is an example of like you know they had a different licensed song for every character when they yeah, throw in awful. the intros. Oh my I know. gosh! But 
that's like that's an example. Not that I hated the song. It's just an example, in my opinion, of how not to do it. I, I, the directors that are really good at using licensed music, like they've done it for years, in my opinion, are like Scorsese and Tarantino. Tarantino for sure is the king of licensed music. Like he knows, he uses it in every one of his films, even films where it doesn't really match. You wouldn't think it would match, but it, it's awesome. Like Django Unchained, he uses like Tupac songs in a western. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's awesome. It fits. Uh, but yeah, Scorsese, Scorsese, like he uses classicals, like he uses like uh, he uses Rolling Stones a lot. Mm. Uh, he uses like he he uses like Eric Clapton sometimes. He uses it in, like Goodfellas. And it fit and it fit the scene. It's hard to explain. It really did fit the scene. Or you know, you think of like The Departed. Remember The Departed a couple yeah, times with the music. I it, know. Yeah. One song. Uh, that uh, Dropkick Murphy's. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, they're great at using licensed music. But you know, they could still obviously. I'm not saying they always use licensed music. Like Scorsese does have movies with original scores. You I know. remember my, for a long time, my favorite licensed music what? that was for a movie was the Spider-Man movie, Hero. Oh, Nickelback? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, another example, a recent example of a composer I really like that I hope, he's he's done, he's, he had like a great stretch of a few years where he did like amazing scores and he kind of did some not so great scores. Like, you know, every composer is going to have air, like a couple of years where they're going to just pump out some, you know, scores for not B movies, but like they're not always doing like A list like blockbuster things. But well, I like to experiment too. Exactly, more. yeah. But one guy I really like is uh, his name's Henry Jackman, and interestingly enough, he actually started out. So if you look at the, if if you consider so the Dark Knight, the Christopher Nolan obviously filmed the Dark Knight. That was that was mostly Hans Zimmer, but he also collaborated with James Newton Howard, who's another great composer of mine, a favorite of mine, and uh, and also this Henry Jackman was actually, a, he worked on the team as a synthesizer with oh, the cool. two of them. Yeah. So those three working together on a score is like amazing because they're three of my favorite composers nowadays. So Henry Jackman had a stretch where he did a lot of good stuff. He went, uh, I'm trying to think in the order he did this in, he did um, he did X-Men First Class, mm-hmm. which was great. It's like at least, at least three or four great songs in that film and all, all very different type of songs too. It's like he just reused the same, you know, right. thing over and over. Uh, he did that one and then he did uh, uh, Kings, the first Kingsman. Oh, that's that church scene is unforgettable. Well, Free bird. But, yeah, but I'm not that's saying licensed music one. Exactly. And that's a, I, we'll, we'll get back to that later. But uh, again, I'm not really giving Jackman credit for that because that's probably the director's choice. But I'm just saying the rest of the yes. scoring came was yes, also good sure. too. Um, and then he did, uh, so I got the order mixed up here. Sorry. It was, it was X Men First Class. And then he did Captain America Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. which I, the Winter Soldier theme is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that, every time, that's an example of using a recurring theme amazingly. Like every time Winter Soldier showed up in that movie, you'd hear that, like, that. I can't. Even, I'm not gonna replicate it, but if anybody was watching movie knows what I'm talking about. There's a very specific tone that played when Winter Soldier was on the scene, and it just it was amazing. Uh, Getting so, a right theme is like yeah. key. So yeah. So sorry. So in order again, he would have done uh, X Men First Class, and then um, Captain America. Captain America, and then uh, Kingsman, and uh, he did one more recently that was really good. But and also this is the thing. So after he did all those films, um, he was named as the. Now don't laugh. You're gonna don't roll your eyes. I know what you're gonna say before I even say this. But he did the. Comp- he did the score for the, his, first, his first video game score was Uncharted 4. Why would I roll my eyes? You hate, you hate everything Uncharted. Every time I mention Uncharted, you roll your eyes. Or I just don't remember the music. Well, that's, that's, my, that's my problem with it. When I saw that he was announced for it, I'm like, this is amazing. I think the main theme was good. Like, the menu theme, I remember, well, was really like good. Well, it's like when Zimmer did Call of, Mo- yeah, Call but, of Duty. But again, Zimmer only did the main theme. Oh, he only did the main yeah. theme. Yeah. Okay. Like, I thought they were going to use Jackman more for Uncharted, which could have been awesome, but what, they didn't. Was the Mass Effect third? And that was Clint Mansell. He's another great composer. But the most he, he did, three music was the worst of the bunch. No, it wasn't. 100% was. One had the best music. Two had okay music. But th- again, with three, I think they only used Manziel mostly for the beginning themes, like the menu it themes and the opening. Theme. It was, yeah. 
he's another great composer, man. Zogs. He did a couple of my favorite soundtracks, like Smoke and Aces and mm. uh, and The Fountain. Yes. Two great scores. He also did a really good one for a Black Mirror episode, that Netflix show. Mm. Black Mirror he did his, one of the best episodes on there. He did the theme for that. So uh, the Uncharted soundtrack didn't stand out. No, unfortunately. Um, but like I said, so I, but Jackman is one of my favorite up and coming. I'm not really up and coming. He's been doing it for like a decade now, but. Um, you can't compare his filmography to somebody like Zimmer or, or you know, James Newton Howard or somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually another good. I think James Newton Howard, one of my favorite scores of his was uh, Unbreakable. You know, the M. Night Shyamalan yeah. one. That was a great score. Uh, but yeah, anyways, before I start naming off composers left and right, again, for, for me, like music, like, again, every genre is different, right? Like, obviously the music in a Western is going to be different than the music in a comedy or the music. Because it's stereotypes. Right. The biggest stereotype when it comes to, or the biggest, the biggest genre that manipulates music the most, maybe not so much nowadays, but for a while, like probably in the nineties to two thousands, it was the biggest thing was definitely horror films. Mm-hmm. Horror films definitely had a very specific, you know, sort of a mantra. They'd, you know, they they play creepy music, obviously to unsettle you, and then like they're gonna jump scare you. They High play strings. really, they, they play really loud music, and then the music cuts out. Yeah. And you know, when there's like no sound, they're gonna jump scare you, that kind of thing. So that's how the music is mostly used in horror films. It's mostly breathing now. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, another really good uh, use of uh, like again, see, like me personally, I like when, when we're talking about like not licensed music. I like scores that don't have singing. I mean, I just like. I agree. Know, you know, I mean, I like uh, violins. I'm okay and with a piano. theme having yeah, singing, like the right. Bond theme. Oh yeah, Bond themes for sure. 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 Yeah, but when it comes to scores, no. Like uh, one of my favorite. Uh, uses of music since we're still kind of talking about horror one of, my, one of my favorite uses of music especially to end uh one of the strongest horror endings i've ever seen was probably the original saw oh i was gonna say that oh, remember, how the, remember how the music ended in that one it was really I intense remember how it yeah. Ended, yes. yeah it was pretty good um you're talking about a lot of great movies though i want to know a okay. bad movie that had a great use of music okay uh See, if I'd known that question beforehand, I would have come to the list. Uh, because it's so easy to think of all the good movies that the music made better. Sure. But, sure. Fair enough. So you want, you want me to come up with a movie that I didn't or, like, or, but I liked the music in it at yeah, least. Yeah. Or like yeah. a movie that would have been a B, but it was made an A because of music for well, you. I don't no, want... for you personally. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. Uh, okay. Let me, let me think for a second here. Yeah, let me pull up. Remember that list I had of all the Netflix movies? I'm sure if I find a, a list on there or find my list of Netflix movies, I can find something on there that I thought was like a man movie, but maybe the music really stood out to me. Nothing stands out like the Inception bombs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was such a meme for the longest time, but how. There's nothing wrong with the. I mean, At the time, it was know. amazing. Yeah, yeah, it did definitely get overused and. and yeah, it definitely created its own mocked. meme. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, here it is, Netflix. I found it. Okay, found my Netflix list. Sorry, pull up the Excel sheet. Oh, definitely like another, I know you, this is not what you asked me. This isn't like a list now. I was going to mention one more uh, composer using music really well. And I think he, at least for the last few films, he's pretty much always used the same composer. Another good director that uses music is uh, David Fincher. Oh, yeah. And in the last few, uh, he's, he, he works with Trent Reznor, Reznor yes. a lot. Yeah. Like they've won awards together. Like I'm looking at, the one, I'm looking at the one film my Netflix is here, Gone Girl. Gone Girl yes. had a great soundtrack. Social Network as well. Yep. Great use of Trent Reznor. Okay, let's see. Okay, okay, fine. Here's here's a really good example of a movie that uh, had a great sound, a soundtrack that would have elevated a movie from like a C to like a B plus, in okay. my opinion. That's uh, and it would be uh, Tron Legacy. Oh, it came out like that soundtrack was all I heard about. No, it was Daft Punk. It was yes. awesome. Yeah, there's definitely scenes in that movie. That movie, it's it's not a bad movie. It's just the story is really convoluted. 
the action's kind of mad, but yeah, the soundtrack of the movie, man, yep. when those when those scenes kicked in, like I'll go on YouTube just to watch those scenes from time mm-hmm. to time because the music is so good. Uh, I'm sure I can find another one here. Give me one second. If you want to talk about a recent movie series that's used pretty much the same music, the same type of music in all three films, it's definitely fitting a very specific theme. Would be like the John Wick films. Mm. Like they all feel the same composition-wise, right? Like, there's obviously some scenes that stand out, like in the first scene, the club music is amazing. But for the most part, when the action kicks in in those movies... I love club scene music. Oh, yeah. Like, the Uh, collateral. collateral. Oh, man, I listened to... Ready, Steady, Go. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay, there's another another funny example you just brought up. So, um, I know I keep getting off topic from what you initially (laughs) asked me, but this is where we're going to go with this topic. So, I liked how... You know the Jason Bourne films? Of course. I'm talking specifically about the initial trilogy with mm-hmm. Damon, not mm-hmm. the one that was done with Jeremy Renner. Well, I'm not saying it doesn't count, but I'm just count. saying. Uh, so I thought it was interesting. You know how like the initial Born trilogy, it always ended with the same song in the credits, the same Moby, Moby song. song yeah. yeah, but every time, but every time the end credits came up, the song was slightly different. Like they use a different mix of the song okay, every yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Like the first one, I think was the original, the Born Identity. It's and like then, the Danganronpa song changing right. every time. Yeah, it's just like a different. Like uh, the third one the sounds exact the most tune, different, but but I like that's just like it's like how it's a song you associate with a movie. Like every time you hear it, now, you can't yeah. not think about Born. I can hear it in my head now. Just like come on, like be real. Every time, and again, I know the song was probably. I don't know for sure if the song was designed for the film or not, but just what everybody associates it with. But anytime you hear like Adele's song Skyfall, you obviously think of the Bond film. Oh, for sure, I mean, that's synonymous. Yeah. So. And the Madonna one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of a theme that... Uh, I think that I think a film theme that I still find amazing to this day, but definitely could have been... You could consider overused, because they did use it in every one of the films, was the original Pirates of the Caribbean uh, theme. That's, that's one that's, of the... guess that soundtrack songs we have yeah. to do a lot. <laughs> I mean, that that is a great soundtrack. Um, the soundtrack's probably the best yeah. part. I do not like those movies very much, mm-hmm. but the soundtrack is probably the best part of them. Yeah. Okay, come on. Let's how about I find one more here. I just want one more. I know. I'm gonna give you one more. Okay, here's here's, here's an interesting one. Um, again, this is, this would be where Lysis music comes back into play. But um, again, I like this movie. I know most people see it as a definitely a B movie, which it is. It's definitely supposed to be a B movie. It's not trying to be anything more. But you know that the Need for Speed film that I watch oh, on Netflix. Oh yeah, but, Lucas loves that yeah. movie. <laughs> you remember the end? Not the end. Like not the end credits, but the last scene. Sort of remember the song that plays over when when the race is over and there's. Oh, it's Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park song. Yeah, that was a really good way to. That was a perfect song to end that. The uh, the recent Lego movies, like I'm talking about, not like Lego Batman specifically, but just like the Lego movie and the Lego movie two. Yeah. They both had really good uses of what I'm pretty sure like are they original songs or are they just like Everybody's licensed songs? Everybody's awesome was original. But what about that? A couple of them in Lego movie two, I feel like were originals too. I do they? believe so. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. like done by real artists. Right. But original. like 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 the Lego movie two. End credit song is awesome. Yes, that's, I, think, I, think that's lo- one, I think that's one. Lonely Island. Is oh, that one. Yeah. yes, 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 you're right. But, one is one is everybody's awesome. Yeah, but two has the uh, the shout out to the credits. <laughs> what is the like, song called? The end of Lego Movie Two? Or I forgot. I the name we of listen it. to the soundtrack so much in the car. <laughs> yeah, no, looking at the list here, I don't see too many other ones that stand out to me with like amazing scores. Um, okay, fine. I got I got one more for you. I got, it's not on my Netflix list, but I know I, I watched it probably last year. It was on TV or something. I was watching it. It's the uh, the Lone Ranger movie. Oh, Johnny Depp. Yeah. The, uh, and that's and that's also directed by Gore Verbinski, who did the Pirates films. Oh. And composed by Zimmer. So, oh. Yeah. Like the last twenty minutes, like that. That's not Lone Ranger is not a great movie. It has a lot of issues. I actually I like the movie a lot more than most people do. I don't think it's a terrible movie, but definitely like the last twenty minutes or so. And it, yes, Zimmer does use the original like Lone Ranger theme from the show, but then he also puts his own twist on the score, and it's an amazing soundtrack in my opinion. I don't. Yeah. I that that definitely is goes from a. 
And again, I think that was trying to be like a B movie with like an A movie budget, <laughs> but mm. it definitely all the the soundtrack. With all those people. What? Like, there's a lot of people to have a. B well, the Lone Ranger's always been kind of a campy, you know. Uh, we're trying to make it cool. Yeah, like they weren't trying to turn into like you know, Clint Eastwood Western or anything. It was. I mean, you have Johnny Depp playing Tonto for crying out loud. <laughs> so, but anyways, yeah, I, I just think you know, like I said, I, I could talk about this all night but we have a time limit here so i'm just going to say uh, to recap everything we've already talked about you know music is is one of the things that always stands out to me about a film like when i when i leave a theater or watch a movie on netflix and i'm replaying scenes in my head i mean it, you don't usually replay the scenes like imagine like you alluded to it earlier imagine trying to replay that kingsman scene in your head the church scene without the freebird music playing yeah imagine if there was no music in that scene or imagine if they had used like a hip-hop song or something it wouldn't feel the same they they this, the, it's just like sometimes there's a song that just fits the scene so perfectly that you can't imagine anything else. I wonder if they filmed it first and then like just kept putting songs on top of it to see what what worked for it or the opposite direction. Yeah, I'm always very interested to how that like how a like you said does, does a director determine beforehand how the I music really is going to fit a scene or put this in here because like I like to when movies have scenes. I'm not saying like if you want to use a music if you want to use a song in a scene if it's a licensed song you don't have to you know play the whole three minute song over nope. a scene but at the same time i like when you at least try and make a scene fit the tone of the of the music you know what i mean like don't don't just like cut off a song midway through or don't abruptly edit a song so that you know it's like it's jumping around like right. just have a, oh, have, a, have a clear start and end point okay that's yeah. one of my biggest pet peeves is that when you take a song yeah. where you can tell where they edited it mm-hmm. and it's just like no it takes me out of the experience when that happens yeah, so for sure it's ugh. so yeah uh yeah, like I said, I, I'm always you could you could do like if there was like a film class if there was a specific film class just on music and film <laughs> you could probably do twenty like lectures seminars about it and I'd go to everyone because I feel like it's such a deep topic you could discuss so many different you could look at different genre you can look at different decades of film different genres different like how just how music in general has evolved over the years for sure I mean you can go you can go into depth you can just on musicals in general I'm not a musical fan but you know I can appreciate like consider like something like um, the well, yeah, I know you like Moulin Rouge. I've only seen it a couple of times, but like in Moulin Rouge, like they take licensed songs, but they put like a twist on them, yes. right? Like what's the one song they use? Elephant Rock Sand, or um, oh my gosh, Elephant Love Melody is like like ten different love songs, but melded together. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, uh, yeah, if you take anything away from our discussion tonight, watch any of those films I mentioned with the amazing scores, or or just you know. Go, go, go appreciate some music. Yeah, just go appreciate some music, you know? <laughs> like, watch, even if you watch a terrible film that, that has a great soundtrack, just think about the impact that the music has on those scenes of what, what it would do without it, yeah? <laughs> like, like try and watch try, watch a scene with amazing music and then rewind or, you know... With, like, no sound on. Yeah, exactly. Watch it with, on mute and then notice the difference that it makes without the, song, the soundtrack, right? So, yeah. That's what I got for us tonight. So, I think, <laughs> like I said, we're going to wrap this up now. Uh, next week... Well, next week will be the beginning of August, and uh, we will obviously probably have, we'll have another Ghibli review for you next week. I believe the next one we're going to watch is Kiki's Delivery Service, mm-hmm. which I don't really know anything about. I have no idea if, what the story is or if it's good. I mean, if, obviously it's good. They're all good. So I've only seen Spirited Away, I think. That all you've ever seen? Yeah. Well, we watched Ponyo a couple yeah, years ago. Ponyo. Yeah, Ponyo. Okay, Ponyo was adorable. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, I've seen none of them. Cool. All right. Well, uh, like always, I hope everybody stays safe out there. Have a great weekend. If you happen to have a long weekend, you're Congrats. lucky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or if you're just taking some vacation time for yourself. 
watch some if you're a sports fan i know this weekend is gonna be amazing you got hockey coming back this saturday oh, N- nhl it? nba uh what is the scheduling like for the nhl schedule oh i can't remember i, I just know saturday's nuts you got Pretty much every major sport is on this side. Everything you want it to watch is this side. If you're a UFC fan, if you're a soccer fan, hockey, basketball, baseball, everything's oh my on this goodness, weekend. Exciting. August is back with some sports. Yay. Thank you, August. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Again, hey, everybody. Hope you have a good night, and we will see you next week. Boys. Bye. Bye.